Move Forward Radio is brought to you by ChoosePT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at ChoosePT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. It wasn't that long ago when pregnant women were urged by their doctors to limit physical activity for their own sake and that of their unborn child. The evidence has been clear for some time, however, that moderate to vigorous aerobic exercise during pregnancy contributes to improved cardiac health from mom and her offspring, lessens the risk of preterm delivery, decreases the mother's weight gain during pregnancy, and reduces instances of babies being born significantly heavier than average. Pediatric physical therapist Amy Gross McMillan wanted to know whether aerobic exercise during pregnancy also could improve the movement skills of offspring increasing the chance that they would grow up to be physically active, which in turn could decrease the risk of becoming overweight or obese and incurring all the associated health risks. The results of a study by Amy and her colleagues at East Carolina University were eye-opening. In this interview, Amy shares what all pregnant mothers or those planning to become pregnant should know. Here's our conversation. So, Amy, before we get into the findings of your study of the effect of aerobic exercise during pregnancy on the neuromotor skills of one-month-old infants, can you talk a little bit about the scope of childhood obesity in this country and and its effects on society? So what we know just from um, CDC, Center of Disease Control data, recent data, is that approximately 18% of our kids in the United States between 2 and 19 years um, are considered obese, Um, obese for Children and, and adolescents is a little bit different than uh, for adults, and so while we have a strict cutoff of a body mass index of um, you know 20, 25 or thirty, et cetera, for children um, it does matter how old they are and whether they are boys or girls, and so that number, eighteen point five percent of obesity for our two to nineteen year olds, is the act, the kids who are actually considered obese, which is greater than 95% um, of what would be considered a healthy BMI for their age and gender. This is a significant problem. It's a continually growing problem. I believe the rate has slowed a little bit since we've been paying some attention to this over the past several years, um, but continuing to grow. And what we also know is that kids who are obese and continue to be obese and overweight into adolescence uh, are going to be obese and overweight as adults and with all of the comorbidities um, and health concerns that come with that. And I I guess this is is both diet and uh, and activity or lack thereof. There are a huge number of factors that probably um, are part of the problem and therefore part of the solution in relation to adult and childhood obesity. But the the basic things we think about are, yes, what is the balance between um, calories in and calories out? So what is the nutrition lifestyle of the person or the family? What is the physical activity lifestyle of the person, the family? And that's that's part of the uh, the question and the solution. Um, But we know there's there's some genetic and learning more about the epigenetic, so not just whether you have a genetic makeup for being overweight or obese, but then do the conditions of your life kind of turn those factors on or off? We're learning a bit more about that. Um, and, uh, again, just lifestyle um, 
attributes. There's just there's a lot that probably goes into this, and we're learning more and more each day. Now, now you have a, a longstanding research interest in the area of pediatric obesity. So I want to ask you, Amy, uh, what did you already know based on existing studies about the relationship between exercise during pregnancy and the health and development of infants before you and your colleagues uh, devised and initiated this particular study? Well, the interesting thing is my initial interest um, here at East Carolina University in childhood obesity was really related to the more physical therapy-related movement characteristics of kids, um, both children and adolescents, who were already overweight and obese. And so I was involved in a, a fair number of studies looking at how they move differently and what we might be able to do about that as as physical therapist, as movement specialist, and, and helping kids move differently. Um, when Linda May, who's kind of the initiator of this work here at ECU, when she came to East Carolina University, um, she was looking for somebody to measure nervous system skills, neuromotor skills, movement skills in infants who were born to mothers who were doing different kinds or no exercise. This was her came out of her um, doctoral studies before she came here. She knew that infants of moms who exercised tended to be leaner. They had lower body fat. They tended to be have better cardiovascular systems. They had lower resting heart rate, and they had better variability in their heart rate when they were moving. Those are all good things. When moms exercised, babies had better outcomes. What she was looking for was somebody who could look at the movement aspects of those infants and I am a pediatric physical therapist for many years. I love measuring movement in babies, um, and I jumped on this opportunity. Truly, I was a skeptic. I'm a skeptic at, at <laughs> heart when it comes to things like this, and I said, I'll take any opportunity to you know, play with and assess um, skills in beautiful, typically developing little babies. And I don't know that anything's going to come of it. So I have been and always have been completely blinded to whether the moms of these babies that I meet at one month, whether they were exercising or not. So uh -huh. um, I personally didn't know a whole lot about this area until I got involved with this um, study. Linda May and my other collaborators knew more and kind of invited me in to, to handle this part of it. You, you said you were skeptical. Why? Because for me, I'm so used to looking. I just was unaware of many of the effects of what we do when we're pregnant and how that can affect um, moms in utero. So, yes, I'm a mom. My children are 24. I have 24-year-old twin men and um, an 18-year-old girl. And truly, 24, 25 years ago, we weren't really encouraged to exercise during pregnancy. So I this whole area of all the things that can have influences on um, fetal development and on our outcomes of infants was was really just an unknown thing for me. So I didn't, mm -hmm. I just was unaware. Mm -hmm. Now, in this study, um, you worked with colleagues. It's, in, it's interesting to me. You worked with colleagues from from other healthcare disciplines at, at your school at ECU. Can you talk, Amy, about the the breadth of focus in terms of what you, as a group, were setting out to test, measure, and and learn in this particular study? Yes. Yeah, so we have a huge um, number of. Uh, I'm I'm counting probably eleven to twelve different departments 
um, faculty involved here at East Carolina University, um, from physical therapy to psychology, including child psychology, physiologists, um, biochemistry and molecular biologists, nutrition science, people from the med school and both pediatrics and OBGYN medicine, um, even engineering and biomaterials because they're interested in um, aspects of the in utero environment and um, and those types of things. So what the growing collaboration that we have here, and it continues to grow, is really very interested in the things such as what does activity and other aspects, nutrition, et cetera, of mom have to do with infant outcomes? And can we help moms deliver healthier babies who are in a better position, who are better set off right from the start to be healthier children, adolescents, and adults um, in many ways, not just about overweight and obesity, but um, how can we influence the the end product, so to speak, by what mom is doing when there is a huge breadth of focus mm-hmm, in what mm-hmm. we're setting out here. Well, with, without getting too deep into the weeds, can you can you tell us a little bit about the study design in terms of who the participants were, the specific types and frequency of aerobic exercise they were asked to perform, and, and the types of data you were looking to collect? Sure. Very briefly, moms were um, relatively healthy moms. So this particular study, moms could not have health conditions such as diabetes and other things that might affect their pregnancy, but also might affect their ability to exercise during pregnancy. Moms were recruited into the study before 16 weeks of pregnancy, and a variety of measurements were taken from mom just so that we knew where they were starting and that they were healthy. They had to have a physician's approval to exercise, and they were then, after they were consented to be in the study, they knew what we were measuring. They were randomly assigned to either an exercise group or a control group. The control group just continued to do what they always did. So if they had been exercising, they may have continued to exercise, but we didn't add additional exercise into their life. The exercise group came to a facility here on campus um, three times a week and performed supervised um, aerobic activity. They could choose from things like walking or easy jogging on the treadmill, um, a stationary bike, an elliptical, things like that. So aerobic exercise, they were monitored with a heart rate monitor and what we call a perceived exertion scale. So they could look at numbers and say, how hard am I working? So they were monitored during their exercise, typically by um, students from a variety of programs, especially exercise physiology. So, And that really is one thing that sets this study apart from others that had already been out there is that usually we just take mom's report for how much did you exercise during pregnancy. But in this study, we actually were witnessing, we knew that they were exercising that much because they were here. So these are a five-minute warm-up, approximately 40 to 45 minutes of exercise, and then a five-minute cool-down uh, three times a week supervised. Um, and then we measured the moms brought their infants back in to us one month after delivery, mm-hmm. and they measured body parameters of the infants, their weight and their height and their body fat, um, and they and then I measured their movement skills using a standard test that I use to assess infants' motor skills. Also, at one month, they measured the infant's cardiac responses, so their heart rate and how their heart rate responded to activity, basically. I'm not sure if you had said earlier, how many women were involved? 
we had over 100 that were recruited. I believe the data that we reported here was for 60 women. Who in turn were separated into those two groups. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, um, don't keep us in suspense. What were the results? <laughs> um, the results, as as I said earlier, much to my surprise, were that the motor skills of the one-month-olds whose moms had exercised during pregnancy were, by and large, more readily developing or, or developing a bit faster than the motor skills of infants whose moms did not exercise during pregnancy. So, in essence, the at, at one month of age, they were doing better. Their motor skills were better than the babies whose moms had not exercised during pregnancy. A quick break to encourage you to move. Physical activity is associated with a reduced risk of chronic disease, not to mention improved bone health, cognitive function, weight control, and overall quality of life. Simply put, more movement is the gateway to better health. Need some help to get going? Physical therapists are movement experts who use exercise, hands-on care, and patient education to help you meet your goals. You can contact a PT directly for an evaluation. Learn more and find a physical therapist near you at choosept.com. So for listeners who are expecting or may become pregnant or who, or who know those who, who may uh, become pregnant, what to you is the take-home message of your findings? I mean, what does your study and other research that's out there cumulatively suggest to you about the importance and benefits of exercise during pregnancy? So I think one of the most important things to, for all moms and moms-to-be to know is that it is safe to exercise during pregnancy. They should always talk to their physician and be sure that they don't have any other health conditions that would prevent them from being physically active and really engaging in exercise during pregnancy. But once they, once they have checked in with their physician, exercise is not only safe for the mom and the baby, but indeed has wonderful benefits for both mom and baby. And there's lots and lots of evidence out there now and a growing body of evidence of cardiovascular positive effects, of um, endurance and strength effects for mom, cardiovascular effects, positive effects on their, on their babies, um, and now potentially maybe building better movers so that maybe babies whose moms have been active during pregnancy are set up to be better movers and perhaps to enjoy movement better. And what I have observed over many years as, a, as an observer of movement in infants is that there are some infants who just really enjoy moving, and if they enjoy moving, they're going to move more. And as we said earlier, one of the primary things that we know, one of the factors related to preventing overweight and obesity is physical activity. And so mm-hmm. if, if kids enjoy moving, if infants enjoy moving, then they may be predestined to move more um, and therefore perhaps prevent, um, prevent them from coming, becoming overweight and obese. Are there uh, are there caveats and cautions to this general advisory that women who are pregnant uh, exercise? I think the biggest cautions are you do you do need to speak to your healthcare provider, to your physician, um, whoever you are working with on having a healthy pregnancy, and be sure that you don't have any other health concerns that would 
prevent you from doing exercise. I think the other related to that is if you engage in an exercise, you don't, you can't go all in. Um, for example, running like you're running a marathon when you haven't ever run before, especially when you're exercise, you need to build up. Um, it, it does help to have somebody who knows movement, somebody like a physical therapist who might monitor your activity and help you decide, okay, well, if this is causing problems um, or this is difficult for you, you might try this different kind of activity or you might try increasing how fast you're walking instead of increasing how far you're walking or vice versa. So um, it helps to have somebody, uh, pregnancy can be a really scary time um, for, for a woman because you know that you are, you are, you have another life in your hands, and there's a lot of things that are scary about pregnancy, and also a lot of changes that the body is going through, and so it helps to have somebody there to guide you through some of those typical changes and some of those aches and pains, and say that this isn't okay, and maybe if we move just a little bit differently, then mom feels better with movement, and as we are coming to know, babies may do better with that movement. So mm -hmm. I think the caveat is always have somebody that you're checking in with. And uh, the other caveat would be we had really relatively healthy moms in our research. Um, a project that we're working on right now is to, becoming, uh, is to bring moms with diabetes, for example, into some of our studies and what are the effects of exercise for those moms who have some other um, health concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier that, that that you're a mom. Did 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 this whole experience kind of prompt a a, a a if I if I if I knew then what I know now thought process in you? Oh my goodness, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, and of course, it's always easy for moms to say, "Boy, I should have done this. I shouldn't have done that." Yeah. Um, yes, there was. I was a I was a relatively inactive mom compared to the moms in this study. Um, now I will say that I have. I have three wonderful and active and healthy children, um, despite my inactivity. However, mm -hmm. could they have been developing differently? Might they have had different motor systems and neurosystems if if I had done things a little differently? I wasn't right. completely a couch potato, but um, I was I was a Ph.D. student, number one, when my mm -hmm. boys were born. And <laughs> I have twin boys. And, uh -huh. um and then I was a young faculty member when my daughter was born, so I was a little bit stressed and <laughs> not exercising as regularly as I probably should. But yes, I would definitely do things differently if well, I was. Uh, I, I was. I was going to. What I knew then. <laughs> right. Well, I was going to say, but it, but then again, you were you were basically following the advice of the day. I mean, then nobody was telling you that you Absolutely. should have been exercising either. Yes, that's correct. That is correct. So I, I guess my last question would be, um, uh, what do you think the future might hold in terms of research that could, could further uh, 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 inform this, this whole area and, uh, and decrease risks for childhood obesity? Yes. Yeah, so, so as you might imagine, with a, with a big group of researchers, um, we have a big list of questions that we're ready to answer. So um, <laughs> these studies are continuing. So I am continuing to – so number one, the, the infants that I measured at one month were also measured at – I assessed them at six months and at 12 months as well. And we have some data also on some of those children and some 
additional children who are older, up to 14 years of age. And so we're continuing to look at, do these early effects that we saw at one month, do these early effects of mom's exercise during pregnancy, do they last? There's Mm -hmm. a little bit of research out there that says, hey, these five-year-olds, did better and their moms reported more physical activity. But again, it's all by report. So we have this really unique opportunity to follow these kids out along a timeline when we know how much they exercise because we witnessed the exercise. Somebody was there. It was supervised. So we're continuing to look out at later ages. That work is continuing. And we are continuing to look at other things. So the further away we get from that one-month mark from that in utero experience, As you might expect, there's a lot of other factors that become important in a child's motor skill development. And so we're including now other factors. How active is the family? How active is mom? Is dad? What are the different settings that the child is is growing and maturing in? Um, And how much does that make a difference in their motor skills, et cetera? And then for our older kids, Are they doing extracurricular activities and other sports activities and dance and things like that? So um, this is, it becomes a little bit of a cart before the horse, like chicken egg. What what comes Mm -hmm. first, your your love of movement and then you get more active or you are more active and you love movement more and all of those things feeding into healthy body weight um, and healthy healthy child and healthy young adult. We also have nutrition involved in our team, and so we're looking at how much mom's nutrition feeds into all of this and how important that is. How about the dose of exercise? So all of our moms did aerobic exercise three times a week for about the same number of minutes. We're looking at different types of exercise. What if resistance training is involved? Is that better? Is that even better than aerobic? What if we do both? What a a circuit training? So we're looking at those aspects. Also, the dose of exercise. Is that 50 minutes three times a week necessary? Can you benefit from less? Can you benefit more from more exercise? Um, So dosing of physical activity. And then truly my end goal of all of this has always been, it was, it's really hard to lose weight and to get a healthy weight when I was working with those older kids who were already significantly overweight. And so we kept stepping back and saying, what if we intervene early? What if we intervene at school age? What if we intervene at preschool? And it still becomes it's very hard to to make changes once overweight and obesity are there. And I think many of us know that and have experienced that. Um, and as a pediatric physical therapist, if we can prevent this, if we can grow healthier weight children to begin with, kids who enjoy play and therefore are going to play and be active, then I don't have to treat and take care of kids who are already overweight and obese and have all the difficulties that comes with that. So Mm -hmm. prevention, Mm -hmm. prevention really is key. And we have lots of things going on here at ECU to work on how we can prevent. It sounds like there's more than enough unanswered questions to keep researchers like you in business for, for quite a while. Far past my retirement from here. (laughs) You will be in business for a long, long time, yeah. Well, uh, Amy Gross-McMillan, thanks so much for speaking with us today on Move Forward Radio and and sharing your insights with us. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Or find previous episodes at ChoosePT.com. 
the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at choosept.com. 